We are here to some degree <clears throat> or another, and that should be celebrated. So how do you want to celebrate that? Each of you has some way. I think Ingrid would go first. How do you want to celebrate being here in whatever way you are here? Somebody translating? She's <clears throat> I think Ingrid is writing. Yeah. Yeah. The nourishment of this space for you, Ingrid. <laughs> Me too. Thank you. It really goes in. Thank you. Anybody else? Sounds like we need practice celebrating. First experiment this week. I need you to have a formal celebration three times for being able to be present in wherever you are. So figure out ways to celebrate being present. I Part of it will be speaking for sure. Like you actually get to, you actually celebrate by speaking. And uh, you might be speaking to a crowd of people, to one person, to somebody you know, to a stranger, you'll be speaking in some way as part of your celebration. So that's one of part one to the, at least two other kinds of experiments to do this week to celebrate your presence where you are. Anybody else have anything else right now? Like Sonia. Sonia, you look like you're <laughs> ready to celebrate being present. <laughs> Yes, I am. I just discovered that I don't need to be the main space holder in order to hold space. And I celebrate this. It's, yeah, I'm really happy about that. Yay. <clears throat> I'll tell you a secret. I, I, I've known this for a long time. It's always Echo that's the main space holder. So, <laughs> so it's not my problem. <laughs> I make a mistake. Echo's problem because Echo put me here and knew my capacities. So I make mistakes and it's not my problem. So I, I'd say you just found a key. Thank you. I mean, I mean, imagine that. Imagine that you're carried or held or protected by archetypal forces greater than yourself and that you that you could just full out create, play full out and not worry about um, 
I'm not saying consequences because the consequences are crucial. It's like you're not worried about getting it wrong. You're not worried about being in the wrong place at the wrong time because because you're there. And so if you can just count on it, you know, you, you can depend on that if you're there, you've got a job to do, you can play full out, and you, you won't, nobody can blame you in a way. Yes, there are consequences, and you're responsible for the consequences, but you cannot be blamed. What would that, how would your life be different? See, if we're in the archetypal part of relating, we're, if we're involved in the archetypal nature of the universe and we're working at the archetypal domains, then these sorts of considerations apply. And so in the ordinary, even the extraordinary levels, you know, at adult responsibility in the, extra, in the extraordinary levels, you are responsible. It's your, you know, you've got, you carry the load. It's your job. It has to be fair. You know, you need to do your part, all that. But at the archetypal level, in relating and in creating, which are the same thing, which is a secret people should figure out really quick, <laughs> that um, like you get to play full out and the archetypal domains have your back because you're playing in their field. They want you to succeed. See, the archetypal domains don't have a mouth. They don't have hands. They don't have eyes. You know, they, they, they need you to participate as a way for them to um, contribute in this in this domain. Do you get what I'm saying? Like in the human domain, the archetypal is present but has no access except through human beings. Is you getting this? You have a role to play on the archetypal domain, in the archetypal level, in, in, in human life. And so... This empowers you to speak out, to make boundaries, to say what you want, to ask dangerous questions, to create possibilities, to build new game worlds, inhabit them, and invite others to habit the, inhabit them. So th this is the invitation. And because if you're jacked into archetypal resources, then you can count on them radically, you can really radically count on them. And so that's worth celebrating. This is what I'm trying to say. It's really worth celebrating. No, I have some celebration. And Chloe. <laughs> I'm celebrating. Oh. <laughs> I'm celebrating lately having had these wonderful conversation, liquid state slash emotional healing process kind of all at once with mostly women and and maybe I would count one men. And the liquid state came from them taking a risk. Like they took a risk to hold something bigger than what they can think or hold more energy or, um, I mean, a lot of it has to do with holding space for something that they didn't think they could. And then there's this freak out, this liquid state that comes from that. And that conversation is marvelous for me. And, and it's like, okay, now, now we can work on the blocks and the freak outs and the thought wear and stuff for the purpose of, serving the archetypal lineages and it's not like like i had a fight with my mom you know and i need an emotional healing process it's like okay okay yes yes like the mom and dad thing we need to all go through it and all this stuff but i i've just been um yeah just been blessed somehow with 
three, four, five people around me lately who called me, said they were freaking out, and it was because they were taking a risk. And I could be with their be with them as they were taking a really big risk. And that's been a really good use of my time and my own archetypal lineage. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. And I also have something to celebrate. I celebrate that I'm taking risks. I, and it's freaking me out because I'm using like my anger to, to, to create teams, like to really say, Hey, I, I want to have feedback and coaching. I want to like, for example, I'm in this metrics building space holder group and it, I, I, I sensed in myself, okay, I'm angry about that. We are just, just having listening and, and, and it's wonderful to have listening spaces, but I want to do more action. And then I made a, a gremlin day and now I'm, like I, I yesterday I I sent a message there and said, Hey, I want to have this evolutionary team with you. I to share more what I care about what you are doing. I want to hear more about you and and somehow I I'm freaking out of it because of it and because it's like um I, I sense that there is some fear in the space about that because it's not my intention to put some pressure in the space. It's just like I, I really, I really, yeah, I want to be more in a team, and I. This matters a lot to me, and I celebrate this. I celebrate that I that it that that this matters so much to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Isabel, I have a hint for you: is to really distinguish that saying what you want is is not a pressure anybody who takes that as a pressure it is their own mechanism their own pressure mechanism that's creating that for themselves but for you to keep saying i want this i want this i want it like this and like that and i i'm making this proposal and let's try this this is no zero pressure and so you could just disconnect the two yes i i did I did that during writing that I disconnected and I, but I, oh, but at the same time, I sensed that there was pressure, like not from my side, but I sensed in the group the, the, how they responded to what I said. So I have a proposal. Other people can adopt this proposal too as an experiment. <clears throat> the experiment is to watch the first four Indiana Jones movies, except for number two. You can skip number two. You just watch them. You watch them. <clears throat> and then at the same time, use, use it to shift the idea or concept called freak out into adventure. And so <laughs> instead of saying, uh, my box is freaking out, you say, my box is on an adventure. <laughs> I'm on an adventure. This is adventurous. And and uh, then you can be in Indianetta Jones. <laughs> and then... <laughs> and so, no, just really get it that at this, at the level of game playing, you know, at the level of life that's happening, this is adventure time. 
and the, the the freak out time this was this was way back in the ordinary domains this is childhood you know this is where you have to you you don't get to be responsible for what your your reactions or whatever you don't you have no power but in this domain you have power and so this is adventure time what about that Number five is coming out. Yes. <laughs> and it's about, I am also discovering that um, I'm practicing on staying close to the person, connected. Because I have this big fear of speaking from, from my clarity. And what I'm discovering is that when I stay connected, it just flows. And there's a lot of love in the space. And this is really helping helping me go more and more into into my clarity and my proposal is for you to when you are saying this bringing these exper- experiments and saying what you want into the space to stay connected to really be connected being to being yeah thank you thank you thank you i also want to celebrate First, I want to celebrate that we uh, had just 20 minutes ago 1.5 millimeters of a summer rain in the Alentejo, which is really absolutely unusual and it's just amazing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> summer is usually for months nothing happening and today 1.5 millimeter, but yeah. And I want to celebrate in this line as I spoke last week. Um, uh, it's it's in this line what recently was a spark about um, like the denial cannot happen any longer if you um, put the things on the plate yeah and um, I have so I was now the weekend uh, again with my partner and I recognized while I was listening for example my habit to listen so critically from the critical point to just to listen and in the moment I can find something where my ah, gremlin can jump on and then no show him right wrong and to really catch me at this point and to change it yeah and and I then also named it to him to also uh, make myself accountable for it. You know, that when he recognizes I'm doing it, that he also can say, are you doing that? Yeah. Where are you? And, um, and usually I would have done it also with a lot of gremlin um, self cannibalism yeah, to show the others how bad I am and da 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 and to, to beat me up. And this is not there. Yeah. It's there is such a joy also in me to um, to oh wow this is oh look that's what I'm doing yeah and to yeah and not beating me up yeah so it's it's on this line to make myself accountable and transparent what is happening happening and um, and then changing the stuff yeah yeah in this line I'm also still yeah I'm celebrating yay. Thank you. Thank you. I want to share too. Yeah, I want to share um, um, my vulnerability because uh, 
this week I show it to my uh, my girl my my daughter and uh, and I celebrate the authenticity that I I, uh, I put I put in front of her my vulnerability that's a part of me and uh, I think it was maybe the first time to be real not just a happy mom and a, a cheery mom and uh, and I was very happy yeah Thank you. Thank you, Solange. Thank you. I'm celebrating being with my daughter. I I have two weeks, uh, almost three, with my daughter while um, while her mother uh, goes off to the UK, and 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 I'm I'm celebrating that I have so much i i'm i'm enjoying so much more ability to just be present with her and i'm delighting in in being there and holding space for her while she expresses the feelings that come up as she comes back from school or she comes back from her her sport or she and 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 not needing to fix it <laughs> it's like i i yeah I am, and I'm and noticing the connection, noticing these little sweet moments of of connection with her, and 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 with my uh, my stepdaughter, who is she struggles with mental health issues. I I, I feel something different there too. Like I'm, I feel. An ability to 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 be present with her, but but not not change myself, not change myself to adapt to to her. And yeah, I'm, I'm I I celebrate that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Barbara. We. In this particular space, people who haven't been here very much before, we also invite you to say hello or introduce yourself or say something. So would you like to go ahead? Uh, hello, I'm from Poland and I I co-create um, a big school in Poland, alter, alternative school, and now I'm in in some kind of crisis like I'm I I don't have power anymore to do that and uh, I ended up um, in relationship with with my partner yesterday and um I, uh, yes, so I have uh, one month to the next school year, and I am in the in the middle of one school year uh, has ended, and the, the another one is ahead of me, and uh, this is huge yes, stuff. I, this is big stuff. Yes, this is very big because I, uh, I, 
I have that privilege to um, that uh, parents and students come to me directly because they know me and they say to me with tears in their, their eyes that being in that school changed their lives and I have a proposal for you, Barbara. A proposal, okay? <clears throat> it's a tradition in this circle to ask for somebody to listen during an emotional healing process. And I would invite you to say, because this what you're telling us is just a tiny little bit of the iceberg. And there's a lot more. And there's more feelings, too, and more stuff going on. Would you would you like to ask for an emotional healing process from one or two people here so that in the next days you can actually go through this? Would you like to do that? Yes, I, I ask for emotional healing processes and I think I need a couple of them at least. And I ask for it for myself and for many girls and boys that are um, like with me. Then you say who would like who would hold space who for would me? like would like to hold space for me. I see Dimit so you write their names down, okay? Dimitra and Sonia and Isabel and Katrin. So I have a proposal that you work it out that you do two Two of them for the first one and two other ones for the second one. So you have two different emotional healing processes. Catherine, mm -hmm. are you a teacher? Have you been a teacher before? Catherine? School of Applied Science, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> so maybe maybe like you you and Demetra or something could be one pair and Isabel and Sonia the next pair. Something like that. Just work it out so that like that, and just write a private message to them, and they'll um, carry on. Thank you for being here, and thank you for sharing that, and thank you for the stand that you've taken mm -hmm. for the young people. Thank you. And Barbara, I had a really similar experience. I don't know everything about your story, but I'm also open for listening space or, yeah, for, for sharing space. Because yeah, it resonates a lot with me what you just shared. I was also working in an alternative school and I was breaking up with my boyfriend and it was everything at the same time, like two years ago or one year ago. Yeah. So yeah, just just contact me. Even if you, you even not just for the EHP. Mm -hmm. Thank mm. you, Isabel. And I would like to add that I have also the context um, uh, of talking with the government and uh, Minister of Education saying about us that we are a pathology and uh, it's it's also really like big big stuff for me. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Barbara. Thank you. Was there? Somebody else who wanted to say something. Ingrid. 
I'm going to read it out loud. I celebrate that I learned through the gremlin of my husband, Denny, to not adapt to his gremlin, but to let grow consciously my gremlin so I could be consciously a conscious loving asshole. Yeah, I use my fear and my anger for that in a very small now so that my history with Denny cannot go in the way. Yeah. Wow, that's mm -hmm. big stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I live this big stuff. Yes. <laughs> and I love it too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Uh, Great. Anybody else anything? Dimitra? Um, I, I, yes. Okay. Are you um, on, you're on coast, right? No. Because, um, no, because uh, when I went there, uh, this woman uh, that she owned the place, she didn't uh, keep the commitment that we had uh, by phone because of the Greek underworld, I guess. And she was full of low drama and uh, not welcoming. And uh, I decided to not stay there just for the money, because I, I, had, I, I have had in the past so many times. And uh, I asked support for, uh, I don't know the, like the English word, the companions of like some, they are here, like Habet, and Nada, and other people, and Marcus, and Julian. People really hold me and uh, because I had so many emotions. And I decided to come back to Thessaloniki and to not uh, adapt. And uh, yes, and I, cele I celebrate that, that I didn't stay there and I, I break the pattern. And uh, my old mechanism also wants to to see it as um, as failure, you know. I am a, I am angry because uh, things don't work out, or I think that they don't work out, you know. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you can you. blame it on echo. No way. Yes. Yes. That's <laughs> what you said in the beginning. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just repeating. Door or anything. <laughs> Yes, hello, Flames Actually, Hello, everyone here in the space. And I want to celebrate three things, if I may. One thing is that possibility management is growing. And every day there is, I guess, I don't know, like, I don't have a number, like 10 or hundreds of people joining. And like every week or every month. And, and there's more and more people. And then 
this, it happens that we, we can go to a place and collaborate together. I go to a place and, and I go to a new place that I've never been and I meet someone that does already possibility management. Or, or Maria can come to the land called Israel and, and stay like with me in my pirate house and meet other people that are doing possibility management. And it's so empowering. And this work, I, what I heard the legends, it didn't start like this at all. It started like this one person and they're doing a workshop and some people are coming, but now it's really gaining this mass of people that like really, it's really empowering to, co to collaborate together, to come together. And, and uh, so this byproduct of the community that has been created is, is great. I, I'm celebrating that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I want to celebrate also that my my spaceholder uh, training team that we have, you know, we have we're we're in the liquid, we're in the swamps, we're we're having messes and we're learning and we're you know we're looking bad and we're keep creating that and and I'm just glad to to be in a team and create something like that is uh, on my edge. So I celebrate that too. Thank you. And I want to celebrate the last thing that Liv is here with me. We're on an adventure in, in Switzerland and she just decided to join the space like that and celebrate like this uh, risky move that people are sharing. And Liv, would you say something? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to say something? I can't hear you. Okay. Yes. Um, I want to share that I'm really grateful for being, or that I can be in a great club. And that I have got to know a new way of how to feel my emotions and my feelings. Because I, yeah, quite different to me. Um, more deeper and more superficial. <laughs> or conscious and unconscious. And, yeah, to learn to, to really get into these processes. I get to know so many people who really want real connection. And, yeah, this is what I celebrate. Thank you. Thank you. Are you coming to Glarizek? Oh, when is it? I was there already. <laughs> but not in a, you know, well, management group. Yes. So you, I, I invite you if you want to stay some, some days. Please come to Lake Constance and um, 
<laughs> Meanwhile, we have we have quite some PM people at the space. Okay. And when when is it? Or is it a special event? Or just... it's an, it's an eco no, it's a community. Yes, I know it. I was there for a, a friend of mine with a permaculture training there, and everything. So you can reach out okay. if you want. Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> and I want to share, I am just coming back from the Gen Europe gathering in Germany. And we have been also a quite big group of possibilitators. We met every evening and... <laughs> yes, and and I, I had... A, a special encounter with a man and mm. yeah and and i i had to call to be here now about because i want to research more about this archetypal relational being together because there was there was a moment when yeah it was so it even though so mm, i opened a little bit up and he told me that he is in a partnership and and to bring that together was was very difficult in one way and in another way he shared about his experience being in in a partnership that is not open um meaning he and she are not sleeping with other partners and even though there can intimacy happen and some parts of me had a experience or or a glimpse of an experience what it could be connected with with some with a bigger love that is not personal that it is not not about him and me and like I yeah I I feel sad and joy at the same time and I I can't uh, there is I I can't put it some in something I know. Thank you. You came to the right Thank place. <laughs> <clears throat> the next the next section is the how to of archetypal love. You came to the right place. Uh, first, I want to check with Janet. Janet, did you want to share anything? Would you like to share something? Yes. So, since I've been here six weeks or so physically, James says this place has become a hub. And that's no surprise to me because it's what I do. If there's a space, I invite people and I create spaces. 
and I think I've got seven trainings in the pipeline, different places. So that's not news to me and because it's normal, it's how it goes. So I asked Gabriel Malinger to interview me. He's great at researching what I don't know. So I had a session with him yesterday. Will you help me find out what I'm unconsciously competent in so that I can turn it into the village weaver training speciality that I'm that I'm doing. Yes, that's the headlines of it. <laughs> because when I look at people I come I think, how come you haven't got load of off- loads of offers on your table? And then te- peddling that backwards. So what is what is it that I do and how can I get that into um a trainable a space where they can discover what's the offers that's inside them that need seeding and gestating and birthing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yay. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. This is a major part of game mode building, being able to weave people and build a circle so that your value has a place for it to land is and in my experience, it's like what you said, Janet, is that people, some people are very natural at it and there's very few um, skill building spaces for that to happen. So. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> Everybody, please take a deep breath. We're going to shift space. I'm going to read from page 251, section 8D, the how-to of archetypal love. How do we step into the new map of relating that includes archetypal love? How do you establish the flow of archetypal love through your central being? How do you establish this flow of archetypal love through your central being? How do you open the floodgates and drown your separative misidentification with archetypal love? How do you reclaim a practical, functional ability to apply the resources of your true nature in daily life? The direct, though, unnerving answer to the question how do how do you do it is yes that is the answer yes i did not make that up by the way i wish i did but i didn't and that's the yes full stop asking the question how do i do it it seems like the first and the most important question for you to ask, but asking how do I do it is actually a clever defense against taking new actions. You get this? It's like you you say, how do I don't know how to do it? And that itself is a block. So you don't have to try new stuff. And then parentheses, this formula comes from a man named Peter Block. And no surprise, it's actually 
the book before this one that's better than this one, but this, this comes from the book called The Answer to How is Yes. So, mm -hmm. but there's a, a book called uh, Stewardship, I think. I think he wrote one called Stewardship that I liked a lot better than that one. Anyway, the answer to the question, how do I do it, is to simply begin doing it. So this is an experiment. This is your an experiment for this week and actually for the rest of the month, if you like. <clears throat> is every time you have this sense of, well, I don't know how to do it, or how do I do it, or I don't have the certification to do it, I'm not licensed, I don't have the authority to do it. And the experiment is you just start doing it. And of course, you don't really, you don't know if what you're doing, what you will try, is the optimal effort. It's not the optimal first action. But that doesn't matter because the world is a giant feedback generator. And if you're paying attention, your effort that you try, we will instantly get feedback. Is this working? Is it not working? And you just course correct. As soon as you get the feedback, it's not working. You try the next thing, try the next thing, try the next thing. And so what kind of action would you take to open the floodgates of archetypal love then? You've been told exactly what kind of action to take for a long time. This is one thing that we have already been given explicit instructions for, although since we have been trained in school to act like sheep, we may not have thought that the instructions applied to us personally. That we might have thought, oh, it just applied to somebody else. The action to take is the action that is in front of you right now to take. This is this is really uh counter counter to our training to think ahead, you know, make plans, have a strategy, you know, step-by-step -step method. You know, it's contradictory to that. It counteracts that. But to actually take this step that is in front of you right now, <clears throat> you do not have to worry about taking actions that are not right in front of you to take because, in fact, you cannot take them. You get this? Like, if I wanted to open the door over there, I can't because I'm not at the door. So my first action to take is to step towards the door, you know, and then et cetera, et cetera. In this case, the door happens to be open. So I think the door is closed, but the door is open. But I couldn't tell that until I was at the door. So this, the action to take is that one that's right in front of you that's obvious to take. And when you take that action, the whole world changes from that action. So you don't have to worry about taking actions that are not right in front of you because you cannot take them. Just because you can imagine an action or that you know a particular action must eventually be taken at some point, this does not mean that you need to try to take that action now. So to open the door downstairs, for example, you must first stand up then walk to the stairs, then walk down the stairs, then walk to the door that is to be opened. And the only action you can take right now is to stand up. So you do that, like that. You do the thing that's in front of you. 
thinking that you must open the downstairs door now when that action is not in front of you right now shows the delusion of thinking. The way we get hooked into this the logic, you know, the thinking. This thinking error easily drives you crazy. For the most part, even with complex endeavors, even with complicated endeavors, such as navigating archetypal space of love, your job is simple. You take the actions that are in front of you to take right now. Anything about that? See, we can do this. All right. Number one, there's a skill called consciously declaring. One of the three great capabilities of human intelligence is the power to declare. And there's a website online called Three Powers that you might want to investigate. There's also a great website called Declaring. So you can get to declaring also through the Three Powers website. So to declare something is to say it is so. Or it is the way it is because I just said it is this way. You unconsciously declare how things are ongoingly. You might say, somebody says, how are you? You say, I'm fine. That is a declaration. It stands for fucked up, insecure, you're neurotic and Something with an E on it. <laughs> Emotional. 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 Thank you. <laughs> Fine. It's an acronym. It's for fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Fine. Well, good. Then you can stop lying. Okay. <laughs> All right. You say that. <clears throat> uh, you, you say, the weather is terrible. You say, this is fun. You say, that is wrong. You say, James is a liar. You say, not this James, of course, some James, and an, a neutral James, some other James. Okay. This job is impossible, you say. this That's a great idea, you say. This is bad, or I like this. On and on we go, making declarations. Each declaration creates a reality, like a story world. As soon as you declare a story world into existence. You walk into that story world and behave as if the story were true. Even though you just declared this story yourselves out of nothing. You just made it up. Now, if you had that one set of distinctions and you were a coach, for example, you and you could deliver those distinctions to your clients, you would have people lining up from here to New York City just to get in line because of the positive results that would show up in their life if they would become aware of their power of declaring. And the, the stories that they declare and walk into and act as if they're true and that they don't have to, they could create different stories. This would be huge. You'd be a millionaire. You'd be rich and famous, I'm sure. Not that you want to be rich and famous. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Declarations are held together with a substance called is glue. It's cheaper by the by the leader. And it's invisible when it's dry. So you can buy that stuff by the leader. Just this. The concept is, quote unquote, is, does not exist in nature. You get that? 
look around and show me the is. You know, you can show me a lot of stuff, but you cannot show me the is. It doesn't exist in nature. In fact, there are some languages that don't even have the word is in them. Some human languages. Is, is Clinton, I don't understand. Can you repeat? There is some uh, uh, some um, um, that what's what is the word that doesn't exist? Is is ah okay okay. And some languages don't even have that. I don't know which one right now, but I've, I've heard of it before several times. So the concept is does not exist in nature. It's a creation of the human mind, and is glue includes. The derivatives, is, am, are, was, were, has, have, had, do, does, did, may, might, must, can, could, should, shall, will, and would, and also the not forms of these, such as is not, am not, are not. We talk about this in Expand the Box training. In general, we use is glue with complete abandon and with complete unconsciousness. You can equally use is glue consciously to create story worlds with other purposes. The closer your created reality approximates actual reality, the more powerful your story will be and the more precisely you can cause things to occur in reality. So if you manipulate your model, you're manipulating reality. That's the, that's the value of having a model that's close to reality. These are, this is magic stuff. So. All you witches and wizards and sorceresses out there, take note. The closer your model is to reality, the closer it approximates reality, when you manipulate your model, you manipulate reality. Is glue itself happens to be a model that approximates reality quite accurately. So when you declare an is glued reality, your new gestures reshape actual reality. The way to reestablish the flow of archetypal love in the spaces of your life is you declare it so. And you consciously declare the purpose of the space, a space for archetypal love. So if, if you have learned about cavitating space, you can cavitate space by clapping your hands and declaring the space into existence. And then you walk inside the space. You put it around you and you walk inside and zip it up the back. And you're inside this space. And you can declare it so, such as where archetypal love thrives. I, I declare. A cavitate space. Cavitate space. A new space into which, in which, in which archetypal love thrives. Say it again. I, so I cavitate new space in which archetypal love thrives. And then you open the bubble because it's a, you created the space just in your hand right there. You open the bubble and then you step into it. It just gets bigger. Zip it up your back and then you can invite people into that space. So that space can just grow almost infinitely. And this is how it works. That was a declaration. Recently, John and Sandy and I think I probably changed the names to protect the guilty, 
a married couple came to realize that the original reasons they had given to each other for being together at the time of their marriage were false. It was a pretense. They were pretending. After many years of marriage, while in a possibility team session, they discovered that something more profound than personal preference was actually substantiating their partnership. Realizing that archetypal love could live through them as a couple was a shock. Because they were prepared, the shock was well received. They used the energy of the shock to invite nearly a hundred friends and business associates and family members to a party. And the purpose of the party was to start their partnership over again. John and Sandy wanted to redeclare the basis and the commitment of their experiment in relating. They asked me to give a short talk at the event. Given such a precious opportunity, I determined to try to navigate space to the heart of the labyrinth. The heart of the labyrinth. Since I know that human beings gather together for various purposes, ranging from horse races to stockholder meetings, to political rallies, I decided that the hundred people around me had consciously gathered together in the name of archetypal love, and that is what I declared. I said, we are gathered together today in the name of archetypal love. Human beings are invocational creatures. Invocation means to invoke, to call in. So we are invocational creatures. We never go anywhere without naming the space. You know, I'm going to the grocery store, I'm going to the bathroom, I'm going to a birthday party, we're going to the post office. We name the space where we're going. And that's how this space comes alive for us. We know what kind of space we're going into. It's very rare that we might say, I'm going into nothing space. I'm going into the void. <laughs> I'll be back in a hundred years. See you later. <laughs> see you in a hundred years entering the void. So consciously or unconsciously, we name and declare every space to serve our conscious or unconscious purposes. The quality of the space will determine what is possible in that space. For example, you do not fix cars in an ice cream parlor. You do not store horses in your mother's living room. The police station is not for roller skating. You do not yodel in church. Each thing happens in the space named for it to happen. Through consciously declaring the purpose of a space, you establish and enhance the available features in that space without sounding schmaltzy, which is a... <clears throat> Jewish. It's a sweet, it's about sound overly sweet, like without sounding overly sweet. We have all heard the quote, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Anybody hear that before? Wherever two or more are gathered in my name. Half, three quarters. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So you've heard that before. Well, this declaration, that statement, demystifies the mechanics of archetypal love. 
these are clear, specific instructions for how to call in bright principles. It takes at least two people with a common purpose. Actually, in the book, it doesn't say bright principles. It just says principles. So if you have two or more gathered in the name of gossip, if you have two or more gathered in the name of revenge, that's what you get. So you can call in bright principles or shadow principles. So in the experiment above that I said said before, we had men, women, and children, singles, couples, and families when all the people came together, the 100 people. Old and young, friends and strangers, all gathered together in the name of archetypal love. I started off by declaring it to be so, hoping that the reality of archetypal love would then organize its own presence in the space. Was I scared when I did this? Yes. Was I sure it would work? No. So was I was I afraid of being an embarrassment or a weirdo? Definitely yes. Has such an attempt failed before? Yes. Have I felt like dying after making mistakes like this before? Yes. Did making previous mistakes ever stop me from trying again? Yes, sometimes, but not this time. And less and less, you know. I knew from previous experience that declaring the principle of the space was not about being certain. Certainty is a rare luxury and mostly not necessary. Actually, nowadays, I would say certainty is delusion. That's what I would say now. What is necessary is paying the best attention that you can, keeping your center and just going ahead and trying your best. This time it worked. Archetypal love showed up. Archetypal love descended into the space like warm, radiant snowflakes. I invited people to risk letting down their defenses and to enjoy and feast upon and unfold into the nurturing radiance among their friends. And they did. The party went on for six more hours. Archetypal love was happening. <laughs> Anything about that? Number I two. celebrate that. <clears throat> you celebrate that. Celebrate that. And... and I, I I recall spending time with a um, a, a beautiful uh, sorceress who regularly would state and declare the thing that that we were intending, and always end it with "So be it, and so it is." And that is glue part. That declaration lands for me. I get it. Yeah, thank you, Clinton. You're welcome. The, what you just mentioned is old technology. So you can do it, but you don't have to. It's just, thank you. Anybody else, anything? You know about the so be it and so it is, like all that kind of stuff. It's like it lands just when you say it. It is. And it's, yeah. Angela? Yeah, I again and again when something is not so great, I remember one study group where it was about it's perfect. Yeah. 
and really then to come to this point to say it's perfect yeah it's just how it needs to be yeah it's really it changes yeah it changes a lot yeah i really like it thank you ingrid go ahead you have a you raised your hand okay you have a little signal on the screen with your hand up doesn't matter <laughs> i think it's a good signal <laughs> <laughs> maybe we could have, maybe you do have something to say. Oh, okay. Not, not, um. Let <laughs> 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 Right. Everything sounds like uh, uh nowadays. Oh, okay. <laughs> to become a zombie slayer. I had a family meeting last week. My husband organized it. And I realized that he declared archetypal love into this meeting. <laughs> And it archety and archetypal love was happening. Mm. Everybody mm. contributed. Beautiful, Ingrid. Mm. See, it's possible. I'm not just making this stuff up. It really works. Thank you, Ingrid. So number two, I I think these are skills or hints or something. <clears throat> this skill, this number two is becoming a space navigator. Archetypal love provides your whole body with a distinct and distinguishable experience, like the smell of cedar wood smoke drifting from a chimney on a quiet wintry day or night, like taking a curve on your bicycle going just a little bit too fast. You can feel the sensation of that. Like the mood in Beethoven's Seventh Symphony. You just feel these sensations. Like the waking up after sleeping late on Sunday morning and starting to feel hungry. These are all these sensations. So, archetypal love provides your whole body with a distinct and distinguishable experience. So this you can learn to discern, to discern that. 
you can sense when archetypal love is happening by the feel of it. The sensation is palpable, unmistakable, and objective because everyone exposed to the radiance of archetypal love happening in a space has the same experience, although the experience may be too subtle to be consciously recognized, or the experience could trigger other sensations like fear, which might be stronger, for example, than the actual sensation of archetypal love and what they feel is fear, for example. Once you have experiential clarity about what it feels like when archetypal love enters a space, you can use the memory of that experience as a standard reference point to sense if archetypal love is ever happening in a space. You get that? So if it happened once, you've got a, a gauge, you have an, a meter to detect. You can also then detect if archetypal love is not happening in a space. These whole body sensations can serve as your steering wheel for navigating space. Navigating space. Is it happening? Is it not happening? Is it happening? Is it not happening? You can use it like a steering wheel. Previously, such energetic sensations may have been known to you but had no particular importance beyond being either pleasant or bothersome. <clears throat> Those sensations can now be neutrally decoded and you can put them to use. They mean something specific. You can use the sensations to go up, go down, go right, go left, to accelerate, decelerate, and go here and there while navigating space. These are great hints for navigating space. And we're actually navigating space anytime we're having a conversation, anytime we're trying to do something or create something. We're navigating space. Anytime we ask a question, anytime we're listening, subtle physical sensations inform you as to what space you are in, where you are in that space, what direction you are headed in that space, what your purpose is in the space, what other people's purposes are in this space, how fast you are moving, what is around you to avoid in this space, what is around you that could be interesting or useful in this space, what is the protocol for staying in and enhancing the present space, and what is the protocol for exiting to the next space. This is how valuable those sensations are. They're your navigation aids. Your body is the transformer your body knows. So this is a matter of practice, of noticing, of comparing what you sense with what's happening in the space or what's not happening in the space. Three dynamic archetypal forces let you interact with a space. The three forces function comparably to the, to the three pedals that control a car, you know, a stick shift car. The three forces are the affirming forces to affirm, which is to support or to, and that's like the accelerator pedal. The denying forces, which would be the brakes in the space. And also the sustaining forces, 
which is the clutch that connects or disconnects the engine with the wheels. Because if it's sustained, then you'll keep going if the clutch is engaged. But if the clutch is disengaged, you're not sustained. You won't keep going. So if you know, it's about noticing these three forces, the sustaining, the denying, and, and the affirming, those three forces. The navigating is up to you. Consciously, I just want to add something yeah. about the, the forces. I, somebody might need to hear this. Something about we have a tendency um, to want to deny, to want to exclude the denying forces, people who would put brakes on our space. Uh, so the people who are <clears throat> whatever complaining or attacking or um, uh, like even energetically just pulling the space down. It's we think it's easier if we cut it out, then the space would fly. And the and sometimes it's needed. Like if there's a really a weight for the space, it's sometimes it's needed. But most of the time, if you cut a denying force, the, the denying force needs to be in the space, so it will just pop out into somebody else or or from something else. And so the the technology that's more um elegant is to Include the denying force in your space as part of the forces of navigation, and to mm -hmm. just say to just have a yes and yes and, and to make you know if there's any use for evolutionary conversation to make use of it, it or just to like notice it and be okay, it's there, but not try to you don't have to do anything about it because it it's needed as one of the forces. In just this morning, and Chloe and I were in this call with a guy, and in the first five seconds of the call, he just looks at us and goes, "What is the problem? What what's the problem here?" And he was all ready to have this problem conversation. He was going to fight the problem. He was going to crush the problem. He was going to say, "There is no problem." He was going to fight the problem. And so we did the yes and and said. The, there's several kinds of conversations to have. One is a problem conversation. That's not the kind of conversation we're having. You know, what we're having is a possibility conversation. And so we didn't try to say, you have to leave the space. We're, we're, you know, this conversation is over. We didn't use the denying force to destroy the space. We used it. We said, okay, that's a denying force. You know, here's an invitation for a low drama gremlin, you know, fight to happen. And we included, we kept him in the space by shifting, uh, you know, redistinguishing what kind of space it is like that. So we we repackaged the space. We included him in the space. So that's like what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. What are the other two forces again? Because I'm hearing this for the first time. Yeah. Do you want to say it? So the denying is like the brakes. Then there's the accelerator, and that's the Affirming. Affirming. To affirm. And then there's a sustaining, which, as for example, in a car, it's the clutch. So if there's a momentum, then the sustaining force will just keep the momentum going. Okay. And then the affirming force would just be in the team or? Well, it shows up all over. They show mm -hmm. up all over. Like, <clears throat> like there's been times when we tried to keep the denying force out of a space and then the whole electricity shuts down in the house, you know, in a training space, just completely 
you know, shuts off the whole space. Instead, because we were trying to have this, you know, upper level space, <laughs> high level space, you know, make everybody pretend like they're angels, you know, fucking like, you know, the toilet backs up and pipes, pipes break, you know, dogs attack, you know, it's like really the police come, you know, so often, you know, the police would come. And the, nowadays when the police come, the first thing we do is say, we want to include you in our space. Mm-hmm. So here, grab grab this rage stick. Here, we'll, we'll give you a standing rage hold. You know, we bring the police into the space as as including the denying force. But in the affirming forces can also be. I mean, I remember in Poland last year, we started. I mean, it was middle of summer, blue sky, Poland, just really this Polish European summer, not a drop of rain or cloud for days like etv and stuff like that in the middle of the gremlin initiation just two hours of storm like Huge absolute wind, storm. wind or, <laughs> like that in the <laughs> waterfall on top yeah. of this. and then the gremlin's best ends the storm ends it's like <laughs> <laughs> so we have to be shouting in the space actually same thing happened in costa rica so, and those are affirming forces because they, in Brazil. yeah, they really help, um, to get, for people to get the, the gravity somehow of gremlin. Yeah. So, you know, Isabel, to begin with, it's, uh, to notice. Yeah. So, uh, we just, just, get, just said, you want to say it? Yeah. To be able to include denying forces, I need to be centered and anchored, grounded. That's my yeah. experience. Yeah. So, yes, definitely. You know, first position, centered, ground, and bubbled. But, but the, Isabel, the, the point is to hear these distinctions and then start noticing and start seeing, oh, yeah, that's a, an affirming. Oh, oh there's a, a sustaining force. You know, we've been at places where, like uh, in Costa Rica, we, uh, instead of, um, we wanted to have a party. And instead of baking the cakes ourselves, we, we uh, bought them from this bakery. And so what happens is about two hours before the party starts, these these two women who own the restaurant, who own the bakery, they show up with these four cakes. And the, like the owners from the whole bakery came and delivered the cakes to our place. This is sustaining force. This is, you know, <laughs> like, here, you know, we are with you. Whatever you're doing, you know, we're bringing the cakes. <laughs> <laughs> so it can be all kinds of different ways that things work out. Yeah, but if you start noticing them, then later on you'll say, ah, let's make a shift here, let's make a shift there. But if you can't detect them in operation in the space, that's the first step. You can't do anything about it unless you see them. Do you have examples of like in a like on a one-on-one <clears throat> relating space of these forces? Well, there's so it's it's an ongoing example of that. So your question right now is a kind of sustaining force in the, in this conversation mm-hmm. because you're opening the space for, um, with curiosity or for necessity, you have some kind of necessity and this will continue to draw forth stuff into the space. So that's a sustaining force. Mm-hmm. And in, in affirming when, you know, it's pretty straightforward when people agree and it's denying when people disagree, but denial can also be confusion. You know, confusion is is a denying force, and so is 
um, contradiction, all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also <clears throat> something that Vera's been researching is this um, neurotic listening that's a type of defensive listening where you're, you're not actually saying anything, so it looks like you're listening, but inside mm-hmm. there's all these stories and judgments and no, what he's saying is not right, and you know, and even if it's like actually appreciation or whatever, so that would be a a denying force. Yeah, and it, so it doesn't even have to be actually verbal, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the point is to note, start noticing, and then, and the whole universe is working that way. So when you start getting it in a personal level, in a group level, in a game world level, you know, and you can start seeing it at all kinds of levels, ecological level, lots, lots of levels where that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm discovering this right now because I, I have, I'm sustaining myself now fully, like, um, uh, with money. I, I don't, don't take money anymore from my father. And the, the universe, it's interesting to see what is happening right now. Like a woman asking me, would you, would you, meet with my daughter to to learn german with her she's really interesting interested in learning german and uh, yeah so i i see that all right now like when you were describing it and yeah i celebrate it also that you stopped and and tell and, and gave me so much examples because i felt fear to ask you because I have the school thing of asking that I did not get it. And you know, thank you. It somehow healed a part of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even what you're saying right now is in inside our own kind of our own little world, we have the forces at work. And I don't I'm not saying they're really valid or useful, but so I'm not promoting positive thinking, for example. But when you have the voices going, you're an idiot, you know, you can't do this stuff, you should be afraid, you know, you can't, you're no good, you know, these would be denying force, you know, it's like, oh, you're the best, you can do this, you know, this would be an affirming force, or neutral forces is, I can do it, I have to do it, I, you know, push through, like all these, these kind of forces inside, so it's a useful set of little distinctions or map to track energetics. I'm going to keep reading in the page. It says consciously taking responsibility for serving this space with quotes around it puts you in the driver's seat of the space, makes you a space holder, space navigator. When you consciously choose to take responsibility to serve this space. So you're not in there serving yourself. You're not serving the boss. You're not serving the company purpose. You know, you're not, you're serving the space. With it where, where the people are in, like for example. So navigating space like, like dance or martial arts includes a complex set of sophisticated skills that you can continuously improve and develop over your whole lifetime. Which is, which is great news. It isn't just a simple ABC thing. It's really an art. Holding and navigating space is incredibly powerful stuff. It's very fun stuff. And so, I would think a major part of the possibilitator training is really about that. It's about learning the art form of navigating space. And so I know a number of you are in some 
uh, regional possibilitator training or specialty. And mm, you, you can over and over again bring, you know, bring back this context of we're learning here to navigate space. So it, it's not a problem conversation. And yes, there's also these, you know, 10 doorways of, you know, the website and making your events and going through the emotional healing processes and there's all this dimension. But I would think it would make it so ecstatic that it's just a, it's a, it's a navigating space school, mm-hmm. the possibilitator training. And there's, and there's all these dimension and experiment to try. So if you're navigating space, <clears throat> the next section will be really useful. It says a map of the great labyrinth of spaces is available. This, so this would be a map of all possible spaces. The great, and it's called a labyrinth. A labyrinth is like a, a maze, right? Yeah. It's, it's not ordered. It's not A, B, C, D. You know, it's not rectilinear. It's not like that. It's, the map isn't like that. It looks more like Paris or something. You know, it's all flows with the Seine River this way and that way. It just goes everywhere and knots everywhere. Venice. Beautiful little dead-end roads, yeah. So this is the Great Labyrinth of Spaces. It's a map that you can discover uh, and experience and memorize by heart. So memorizing by heart means using your heart as your navigation aid. So you go into a space and your heart goes, I've never been here before. Or your heart goes, ah, this space again. So your heart is really the sensor for how to navigate the great labyrinth of spaces. So the map holds an infinite number of spaces, each with its own unique qualities, limitations, and possibilities, each with its own purposes and uses. So there's a, there's a saying, a possibilitator saying, which is, the space determines what's possible. And so if you're in a situation and something you need to have possible is not happening, then shift to a different space. Shift it into a space in which what's what the possibility that you need is available. So these are there's ways to do that, lots of ways to shift space. The great labyrinth of spaces. Is can in in that map in the great labyrinth of spaces, every space is connected to every other space. God, I don't know why I'm telling you this stuff. This is like amazing stuff. Okay. <laughs> this means that you can get to anywhere else from wherever you are. You can get to any place else from wherever you are because every space is connected to every other space. It took me a long time to figure this out. And I did not write it in this book, but I'll tell you anyway how that works. It's easy. It is that if if you have two spaces together like this with nothing in between them, there's only one space. So what you need to have to determine, what do you need to make it two spaces? I'm asking you. Gap. You need a gap. You know, Sonia went like this, but the gap can be, as thin as a piece of paper. You get it? So what's in that gap? Nothing. Nothing. 
Nothing is in the gap. And it's the same nothing in every single gap between every single space. It's the same nothing, really nothing. So if you go into the gap, you know, between at this space, you can come out of the gap in, in New York City. You could come out of the gap. I don't know why we're going to New York City so much today. <laughs> you could come out of the gap in New York City because it's the same nothingness. You just need your intention to go into the nothing with your intention and you will come out in the space that you need for the possibility that you need. So this is a very cool thing for navigating space. So this means that you can get anywhere else from wherever you are. You can get to anywhere from here. And I, you know what this is like. You know, <clears throat> you're in the car driving on Sunday morning with your partner. Everything is wonderful. The sun is out, you know. You're going out for ice cream and your partner says, I, 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 I can't, I can't eat ice cream anymore. I hate your mother. I hate your mother. <laughs> I hate your mother. <laughs> and then you go to this big argument about your mother, you know, and, it, and, and before it was heaven and this is hell, you know, you went to the upper world to the underworld and it takes like, it takes one moment and that's usually like an unconscious space navigation. You can get to anywhere from from wherever you are. So it works other ways also. You just do it consciously. Same technology. Each space is presided over by an energetic deity who represents. A, this is all archetypal stuff, so get ready. Every space, each space is presided over by an energetic deity who represents a unique set of bright or shadow principles. And and shadow principles in the very center of the labyrinth at the very center of the labyrinth there there is a singular space that exists as the abode the home of the overriding principle of archetypal love this space at the center of the labyrinth is called the heart of the labyrinth in the heart of the labyrinth, the air is refined, and it hums with an electric clarity. It's endless, impersonal, radiant, ecstatic. Archetypal love floods every cubic centimeter of the space and floods every cell and nerve in every person's body who's in that space. The heart of the labyrinth has always been there. It never goes away. So if you ever find yourself outside of the heart of the labyrinth, guess what happened? You went away. You went away. The view from the heart of the labyrinth in every direction is more than spectacular. Nothing much Nothing much exists in the, in that space. There are no amenities or facilities, meaning there's no nooks and crannies. The space is pure. You cannot live here. Being in the heart of the labyrinth is like being at the top of Mount Fuji. You cannot live there, but you can visit. The experiences that you acquire in one brief visit to the heart of the labyrinth can reorder your priorities for the rest of your life. 
Anybody ever have that experience? Okay, like it's like we said, once you have the experience, you have a calibration, you have a detector, and it can change it for the rest of your life. After your visit, you hike back down off the mountain into the valley. And in the valley, there are shops and toilets, you know, and beds and, and, and ice cream parlors. In the valley, you can eat and sleep and work, but your life in the valley is changed because of your trip up the mountain. You live in the valley with your memories of what things look like from the top of the mountain. You now know that ordinary human relating happens in the valley, but that the world is a much bigger place than you previously realized. You retain the map of the great labyrinth of spaces in your bodies and reserve the possibility of navigating the space of your immediate relating when appropriate directly into the heart of the labyrinth. Such navigating can only occasionally be done, but keeping the option open is a practice worth developing. That's an opinion. The rest of it was not opinion. This is opinion. It's a practice worth developing. As is demonstrated in an old story, the story begins with a doorway, one that leads directly to heaven. The legend about this door is that it opens from the inside. It opens only for a moment, and it opens randomly only once every hundred years. If the door opens in the middle of the night while you are sleeping, your chance to get into heaven is gone. One man made it into heaven and God was surprised. How did you get here? God demanded. The man replied, I practiced only sleeping while I was leaning against the door. When the door opened, I fell into heaven and woke up. <laughs> they did that scene also in Doctor Strange when he's up in Kathmandu. And he's rejected from the Taj Kamartaj training center. He's rejected. They throw him out the door and they just leave him out there. And he's, he knows he's lost. He knows he has no chance. And the only thing he finally ends up doing is just hunched over, leaning against the door. And after a while, he falls in and wakes up and they let him come in because he was right there. Once you possess the map of the great labyrinth of spaces, the world is not flat anymore. It has expanded and expanded. The, the map has expanded into many additional dimensions. The once threatening and forbidden horizon that dropped you into the void if you ever tried new ways of being, relating and acting has vanished. So but the, the, the once threatening and forbidden horizon. So that's basically your set of assumptions, conclusions, stories, expectations, you know, your past experiences. That thing is like you look at the horizon and you go, I, you know, I can't do this any again because I will die again. I will, bad things will happen again. But that thing, once you experience the, the map of the great labyrinth of spaces, that horizon vanishes. You can now sail as far over the horizon as you want, and you can never fall off the map. I want to see if you can see this map. It's a cool map. It took me hours to make it. Let's see. 
Let me see what came out. Yeah, right there. A little closer. Yeah. So this is the great map of the labyrinth of spaces. I don't know if you can see anything. It doesn't the screen doesn't. But in the middle is the is the heart of the labyrinth. It's on page 255. <clears throat> on the map, it says, there are unlimited numbers of spaces into which you can navigate. Each space is presided over by a deity representing a unique set of conscious and unconscious principles. We enter a space when two or more gather in the name of those principles of the space. We voyage from space to space unconsciously in ordinary human relating and consciously in archetypal relating. Every space is connected to every other space. You can get to anywhere from here. You can voyage into the heart of the labyrinth, but you cannot live there. How many people knew all this stuff before? Okay, well, that's a good thing we're reading this book. We gather together in the name of archetypal love. This meeting is called to order under the auspices of archetypal love. These are doorways in, produced through declaring. I am the space through which archetypal love can do its work in the world. This is a declaration. Nobody can stop you from making that declaration. Nobody can do it for you, but nobody can stop you. You have the inherent ability, like it's designed into you. You have this ability to voyage into very interesting new lands, the domains of archetypal love. The remainder of this book looks in these directions. Well, so, Dorothea, Janet, somebody. This is how it goes. And I find it really hard to talk about it, write about it. Um, yes. Dear Jim, I, I argue with your story. You, Clinton, argue with me. I argue I with your story because I have photo, video evidence last week about your ability to write about archetypal spaces. It's on the video, my dear. Yeah, and yes. And... And the other spaces that I can't get the word to, you know, the one shivering, it's like volcanoes moving through me. I don't know to write. Just put your pen in the hand and let the volcano write. Let the volcano write. Or draw. 
no, I just have to be with it for now. And it's in my space with James in a sexual exploration space. It's taking me to edges I've never lived at. And the the shifts. Yay. I mean, think if you were bored instead. That would be bad. Right again. If you were bored, that would be worse. If you were bored. Yeah, but no, really, Janet, you, that thing you did last week that you shared with us, it was so amazing. I really hope you just keep not being able to do that and keep doing it. Because the, the, the source is endless, that source. So there's no there's no way to encompass it or complete it or fulfill it or anything like that. So that's not the point. The point is making doorways. Doorways and opening new territory that I don't have language for. Yeah. It will come. It will yeah. come. Yeah, you just look at the thing and say, give me the language. I'm here, ready to write, have a beat book, typewriter, whatever. Give me the language. And and, and go. You know, you've developed the ability, Janet, to endure intensity. And for whatever, you know, you, you went through decades of really tough training to be able to, to endure intensity. But it's not an accident. So... This is one of the ways where that skill you've developed can really pay off, can really be of value. Just, you know, sit there at the edge where it, you know, and just stay there and let it, and let it, you know, have the conversation. Make, facilitate the conversation. And it's because of James' ability to hold space for absolutely nothing. And then all this that's inside can come forward I haven't defended myself against him once <laughs> there's nothing to defend in him so... James you oh. should be delivering men's training yes <laughs> I'd rather have him hold space for Janet yeah okay but sometimes <laughs> If a guy comes around and he can hold it and say, you just sit next to me, you know, uh, see what I'm doing, see what I'm not doing. And you carry a, like a, a large zucchini and every time he, he doesn't he function depends. correctly, just whack him with a large zucchini. <laughs> <clears throat> but the whole group is going to these new levels. I shared that vulnerably at a space we had here last Saturday. Saturday before. So the whole space can come along now. We can feel it in the whole game world of possibility management of what's happening in New Zealand and the the stand that you're taking for each other and for archetypal love and for the and sharing your research, it's quite extraordinary. Wow. Thank you. Including the whole game world. Yeah. Wow. 
Now, the, the next thing is number three. It's called re recapitulating your story. And I, I, I think we'll have time to dive into that because it's another big deal. Entering either extraordinary human relating or archetypal love and relating requires you to have your own power. And your power includes your ability to consciously choose, create, declare, commit, your power to not act, your power to act for, your power to act against, your power to speak, to listen, to promise, to ask. These are all powers for you to develop. And a possibilitator needs all of them. And there's specific ways to practice every single one of those things and more. I, I want to, we've made this discovery in the, in our women's team last Friday. We had this conversation in this research about where were we, where did we lack authority? Where did we not have authority? And so partly what I'm hearing that power to some degree is authority. Like, do I have authority to speak whenever it's needed? Do I have authority to ask questions? Do I have authority to say things that people do not understand? Do I have like all this, mm, which is this energetic substance authority? And a couple of discovery was that being able to reclaim my own authority or our own authority is it starts with having authority to reclaim our own authority to declare I have authority to to regain my authority for and and all these domains and then we were checking out where were our edge you know where were we lacking of authority but the the leap that we also discovered is that the moment I have real power is that when I have the skill to be able to move from my authority. And when I when I have the skill, then what I have is agency. And so first have the skill and the authority. Yeah, when I start and I have authority and I practice the skill of to absurd effectiveness in a way, that's when I really get the agency to be able to navigate navigate space. But to and I think it it helps sometimes like Buckminster Fuller said you know, give people new tools that they don't know how to use and they will they will immediately have to change to be able to new, use these new tools. So it's it's sometimes useful to be practicing skill even if you don't have authority about that thing because by practicing the skill, you might gain authority. But this conversation, this noticing about where am I lacking authority? Where are the places, you know, and it could be where are the places I'm perilous? Or I don't have authority. And then to be like, okay, why? Like, what's the, what's the story? What's the block? What's the thought map? Something like that. So. Which space is that? The research I was doing is the Women of Earth, which is a possibility team. I mean, it's not recorded or anything, but now it's, now it's on, on tape. See, I, I got it out of you. <laughs> Thank you. The right question at the right time. All right, we're talking about your need, the necessity for having different kinds of power. <clears throat> so 
you reclaim your power. But by reclaim, it means you have this potential. You have the potential for these powers designed in, but they're not. It's not activated. So taking taking the potential into reality is like reclaiming the potential into reality. To re, you reclaim your power through the process of recapitulation. So recapitulate what actually happened to you that caused you to suppress your potential and reassess the editorial spin that you place on your experience by the stories that you made up about them. You get this? Because you reassess what your purpose was to create a story about the abuse that you had so that you can have the possibility of reclaiming the power that you had. You know, you were probably, you know, people did things to you to have to try to make you less powerful. And then you make a story about it and call it abuse. But you did not lose the power. You just suppressed it. So this is about recapitulating your stories and getting your power back. Your original power back. Growing your being to the level of maturity where it has an authentic appetite for radiant joy and brilliant love is an involved process that includes considerable time and multiplicity of experiences. Not a few of these experiences may originally be and may still be interpreted as unfortunate. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I don't know. Yes, you do. <laughs> well, what can I say? Uh, I, what a spin. <laughs> can you say that? What a spin on a story that it's unfortunate. Okay. You don't want to say? That's it. No, what? You know, to say it is unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, stuff happened to us. And a lot of those things that happened to us are processes that actually had the potential to liberate an authentic appetite for radiant joy and brilliant love. But instead, we have we've twisted those stories and interpreted them as being unfortunate experiences. Okay, I have to have to edit my what I thought you read was you will have to experience new experiences that you might consider unfortunate. No, that's not what it says. Okay. So and that's why I was laughing. Okay, that... Because it's true. Because <laughs> All right, all right. <laughs> you might remember these experiences as negative from your childhood, from past lives, etc. You might be coloring their memory with labels such as evil, stupid, bad, unfair, wrong, and certainly unnecessary. I am asking you to bring your old labels into question. Of those experiences that you've labeled that way, I ask you in the archetypal level to bring your, your labels up for inspection. Experience comes bereft of meaning. You get that? There's no story attached to your experience. Zero. It's Your experience is completely neutral. There is no story about an experience until you attach the story. The world is rich in evidence. So you will find plenty of reasons to make up any story you want about any experience. 
Moreover, every story that you create has a purpose. You are either aware of the purpose that you serve in making any particular story or not. Ignorance of your purpose, however, does not protect you from its consequences. This is a legal document. No, it's just the law of the universe. It's like cause and effect. Ignorance of your purpose of your story does not protect you from the story's consequences in your life. The result of creating a story about an experience that labels the experience as bad or evil has the consequence of placing you into the victim position of a low drama. By feigning, meaning pretending, victimhood toward your circumstances, you assume that you can avoid responsibility. Getting to be irresponsible is tremendously rewarding for the gremlin part of your box, but the reward of avoiding responsibility comes at quite a cost. The cost of having no responsibility is also having no power. We're trying to talk about getting power, having power, and the cost of having no responsibility is having no power. To recapitulate means that you will you recall a specific story and ask yourself, so this is an experiment to try, what is the purpose of this story about that experience? Is the purpose of my story to expand my consciousness or to avoid consciousness? Is the purpose of my story to take responsibility or to avoid responsibility? You will find that your story about any experience is not necessarily the experience itself, although it seems to come together with the experience just like a banana peel seems to come together with a banana. My father did not love me because I screamed for help during a nightmare and he did not come to help me. You get this? This is a story. Mm-hmm. It's an experience wrapped into a story, like a banana is wrapped into a banana peel. So that was one of my stories, by the way. It's a personal story. And my father did not love me because I screamed for help during a nightmare and he did not come to help me. Start distinguishing your story about the experience from the experience. You know, you're going to have to use a sharp knife for this. You know, story, experience. What is the difference? Because we, we put the story on as a label. We even name the experience with this label. And to take off the label, what is that experience then? Peel away your dramatics in the same way you would peel a banana. You first break the stem at the top to reveal that there is both a banana and a peel, an experience with feelings and meaning-making story about the experience and feelings. Those are the two things. Then you peel away the story from what happened, just like you pull the peel away from the fruit of the banana, the pasty fruit. I had a nightmare, and I felt scared. I screamed for help. Nobody came to help me. That is what happened. My story about what happened is that my father did not love me because he did not come when I called for him. He let me be terrified, and I hate him for it. Peel one side of the banana down to reveal a sweet, soft being inside of you that has been isolated from humanity by the existence of your story. 
you get this? Your being is separated from other people because of that story. Who made this story? What's going on? You know, why are you doing this to yourself? Quote, in this nightmare as a child, I felt terribly scared. I can still feel that level of trembling panic deep in my bones. My nerves are edgy. The scream is still at the back of my throat. Okay, that's just what happened. Mm-hmm. Then, that's where my being was. Then peel the other side of the banana down to stand alone. Now, now the being, the banana, is completely exposed without any protection story at all. No story on it. If I remove my story about what happened, I am left with only a raw memory of the experience that I had. When I was a child, this raw experience was too intense for me to endure. As a child, I needed this story to buffer me from the intensity of my feelings. I made it someone else's fault. Now, as an adult, I'm able to fully endure the intensity of that fear, this terror, with absolutely no story attached. This is called stellating fear. This is a fear for no reason. Fear without a story. No one else to blame. And I must admit that even in the fury of this experience storm of fear, I am still okay. That's because we're designed, we are designed to experience 100% intense archetypal fear and anger, and sadness, and joy. We're designed for that. So I'm still okay. So I could have had the fear like that and had had attached no story. Standing as a peeled banana in the center of the experienced storm of thoughts and memories and sensations and feelings brings you, brings me to recognize my true condition. I come to realize that I am not perfect as I have been taught to imagine that I should be. I am not perfect as I might imagine that you want me to be. And you are not perfect. You are wounded. I am wounded. Wounded means we have these memories of intense experiences with no story attached. Through mature, responsible recapitulation, like to say what happened and to say how you attach the story and why, that's recapitulation, that you come to realize that you're not perfect and what happened to you is perfect. What happened to you is perfect. And that thing, that intense fear in this case for me, helped prepare me to do my job. You know, you get this, it started to train my nervous system to be present in me and other people in spaces to high intensity fear. Wow, this is a different story. That's the end of that section. Anything about that? Yes, I will say this chapter is the perfect roadmap for the space that Sonia and I holding space for, which is healing and transforming abuse. It's exactly the roadmap for what you just described. On the, as engaging it as the archetype, at the archetypal level. So thank you. Is this an open space or it's a closed space? No, it's a closed space now, but 
but I really wish that it will happen again. I hope other women, in this case, it's a women's space, um, hold space for it another time. I really like the the analogy of the banana, <laughs> banana and the, the peel. That's very good. Okay. Thank you. Mark, anything from you today? Sitting with the work ahead and realizing the challenge of creating an interest to do the work. Fear is probably the big task. I experienced it multiple times during this call when others were sharing that I could just hear the fear underneath that and realizing in my own life how much that directs what happens in my life. Why don't I go into the nothingness between spaces and step into another space? Because I don't know what'll happen. And so that's just fear. Thank you. And then I create the story that I don't have enough time to fix all the fear buttons and change the box and then get it all wrong again and go back to square one and change the box again ad nauseum. So that's a hell of a story to unravel. And that's all my only option is to unravel it or I'm in what I'm I would in. propose a different strategy, Mark, is that healing and transformation is non-linear. And it, so it, it's not like you do an emotional healing process and then here's the next, it's not this method. I, I mean, partly what was... That's my experience so far. I'm trying to find a new experience. Uh, that's not been my experience of you. Like the ways that you've changed and the way that I can experience your being in such different ways than two or three years ago, like in 2019, when we came to Portland, I don't think you went through a, a, a linear path for these parts of your being to show, to show up. Thank you. My gremlin is great at making me be in the same way I was or point out the same thing over and over to me to keep me from whatever, to keep me in my fear. I, and, and um, others' validation is a drug for me. I have to be careful with that, even because I desire it. It motivates me in, in ways that don't work well for me. Kind of like money. I've, I've determined that the reason I don't have money is because if I had money, you would never have met me. I would be in a room with an Xbox 
numbed out forever. But the shortage of money keeps me having to find and finagle and figure out ways to live from day to day <clears throat> and keep showing up for the discovery of my bright principles. Although my bright principles are kind of like, yeah, you already know what they are. You're just not putting yourself where you need to be to have them in service to others. I'm in a room with nobody else. I'm not really in service to others. I have you guys on the phone, though. I want to read oh, what, what Ingrid wrote. I'm experimenting with impersonal which means no story adding point of view when my box finds something quote unquote uncomfortable. And I observe that like that I can more easily hold my boxes that, oh, that like that I can e more easily hold my boxes, fear and anger. When you add no stories to your experience. Mm. Thank you. Thank you everybody. Okay. See you next week. Thank you. Yourself. Wild experiments. Pay close attention. Mm. Bye. 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 Thank you.